Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network. My name is Paul Fraser, and so glad that you tuned in today. Uh, We're excited to bring you a couple great leaders from our Reimagine cohort. Our Reimagine cohort started last fall as we started to think about the future of church and how this pandemic was shaping it. We decided to gather some leaders together to talk about it. We have about 10 to 15 from all over Canada that have leaned in and grateful that Anthony and Michelle Yackel from 10th Church in Vancouver, they're planting at UBC. Uh, They jumped on Jeff Wong from more than 12. He's out of Vancouver. They're primarily an online church. And we have their thoughts and creativity and experience to pull on as we talked about how the pandemic is shaping church moving forward, a realignment to main things like discipleship, how do we empower laity, and what kind of partnership should we be looking to develop in the future as we think through all these themes they've come up at our reimagined cohort we think they're all a big part of our future so we took some time to discuss it grateful for them you're going to love the interview and it's coming up right now so great to have all of you on today and so jeff we're going to start with you why don't you tell us a little bit about your you your family and your current church planting journey all right, I'm Jeff, um, Jeff Wong um, from the greater Vancouver area. I'm married to an incredible woman, which could take up this whole podcast. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> to describe. Nicely done. Um, we, we just celebrated 20 years last year, and it's been better and better. And uh, we have two kids, um, Maddie, who's 16, and uh, Lucas, who's 14. And we're preparing them for to be servants in the kingdom of God and their great kids. Um, Church planting, we are, we planted the church that we are part of in uh, greater Vancouver. It's called more than 12. We started right in Vancouver in the, in the commercial drive neighborhood, very kind of artistic, um, new agey, very, not church type of neighborhood in yep. my opinion. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, we were there for many years meeting at a place called the wise hall, which is a community hall. Um, a lot of things would happen there, such as theater events, small concerts, but also like nudist events and bondage events and so forth. So, wow. so Sundays would smell like, you know, stale beer and so forth at our services. And, uh, but there, it was, yeah, it was a little rough. But it was, it was, it was. There's something really beautiful about about all that and being in the in that neighborhood. Um, we went through a few different moves like along the way. Currently, or actually, maybe a, a fast forward to just pre-pandemic. We 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 were sensing that God was moving us to focus, uh, put more focus and energy towards digital ministry. And uh, I think it was very difficult for 
for for an average person to kind of understand but i kept sensing this um and then uh even my board had a really challenging time understanding this then almost then a couple of months later or so pandemic happened and then everyone could begin to underst- understand uh more because of that it wasn't i don't think god was leading towards that for just that just the pandemic right but then all of a sudden almost every church in the world had to deal with the pandemic and go go online so we we made a decision like, through those months that we were going to continue to be online even post pandemic and and um god kind of put it on our hearts to to make disciples of and to reach the netflix generation mm-hmm. like youtube netflix etc where people would uh would binge watch kind of um, participate in their own terms. Some would be anonymous and um, and so forth. So we're kind of walking that journey and taking the machete, going through through the woods and trying to find our way through that. Yeah. Jeff, great. We're going to hear more about that. Uh, excited to have Anthony and Michelle. They're from Vancouver as well. Anthony, why don't you catch us up to where you're at, and then we're going to hear from Michelle right away. Uh, tell us a little bit about your church planting journey and where you guys are at and what you're doing. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having us. Um, just want to also uh, talk that uh, Michelle and I have been co-pastoring and co-leading uh, in a couple different ministry contexts now for quite a number of years. And so it has been a huge joy and privilege to be able to serve alongside my best friend um, and just to really be able to serve uh, yeah, alongside and you know, what God's called us to do. Right. We have two kids. Our daughter just turned 16 and our son is 14. And so uh, all they've known really their entire life is church planting and what that context has been like. Cool. So yeah. uh, this is kind of my third third go around of church planting, all different uh, denominations and experiences. Um, first one quite, very quickly was in 96, part of a group that uh, launched a church. Uh, our youth pastor had uh, planted with 36 other people. So got to be part of that journey, and uh, while I was going through Bible college, and and really kind of got my feet wet in ministry, and eventually uh, became the executive pastor there, and so uh, was there for about ten years, and then in 2010, uh, Michelle and I planted a church in a movie theater uh, just outside Vancouver in Langley called Urban Road, and that's where we got to know Jeff. So in those early years, we were able to do a lot of. Uh, kind of co-branded leadership training with our leadership teams. And, and it's been fun to watch uh, that journey. And that was a beautiful experience for us of just being able to uh, really kind of stay under the radar in the Christian world and think missionally and what would it be like to be a church for the unchurched and dechurched. And right. we can throw those terms around a lot, but um, I just saw some beautiful stories of transformation, people that would never, ever have stepped into church uh, coming to faith and and just really being able to experiment, to dream, to try things. And and so that was great. Uh, 2016 uh, was tough for us because we did have, uh, end up making the decision to shut down uh, the community. Uh, a lot of stories uh, behind that, but uh, hard and painful. But ultimately, it was the right decision uh, for the community. And, and then spent a couple of years recalibrating and really asking God what he had for us. And 2018, he led us very unexpectedly to uh, 10th Church in Vancouver, uh, which ended up, uh, it was the church I actually grew up in as a kid, uh, and then had moved to a different denomination, had a lot of different uh, ministry experiences since then. 
And uh, Michelle and I were both hired to launch a brand new site uh, for Tenth. Tenth is a is a large multi-site, multicultural uh, church in Vancouver. Uh, has had a huge uh, influence and impact uh, really around uh, Canada uh, through Ken Shigematsu, our senior pastor, through a lot of his books and, and leadership. And so we were uh, brought on to launch a the, their fifth site at the University of British Columbia, uh, UBC. And that has been such a fantastic uh, opportunity for us and just love to be in the university context as we are meeting uh, students from over 160 different nations that are represented there, meeting faculty, um, neighbors, people that live there. And so we launched officially in September of 2019, had about six months under our belt uh, and just really seeing some uh, great stories of engagement. So about 70% students and, um, and the rest would be people from all different demographics uh, and so on. Uh, had about six months going and then COVID hit. And so uh, as every single church here in Canada and around the world has had to yeah. uh, make changes, that's what we've been um, working through. So it's it was an interesting journey of having about a full year of planning, right. six months of launching, and then um, and then a reshift. Wow. So we've got uh, lots of church uh, planting experience on this podcast today. So we're going to try to get uh, some of that experience and knowledge and wisdom and also some speculation, some dreaming, some forecasting as we think through the future and uh, uh, how this podcast, uh, this group, this panel came about was we started a reimagined cohort and we started talking about what does the future of the church look like? And I wanted to gather leaders and we were able to gather a few of you today to talk about that. And so we're going to dive in. Obviously, the pandemic has created uh, a domino effect that has sent off like multiple crises, and I don't have time to list them all. The economic, the physical, the mental, the there's a social issue, a loneliness, and on and on. This, is, this has been a painful, painful season, and we want to acknowledge that. But also, we know that God works things together for good. And so I want to ask you three today, um, how is God going to use this pandemic to help churches in Canada? And just maybe talk about like what you think as it relates to how this is helping. And Michelle, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, sure. I think it's a great question. I think, first of all, the pandemic sent all of us into a bit of a tailspin, and there was this shock factor. And then as reality set in, I think the biggest thing is this has caused us as leaders to really stop and ask some really hard questions. We're used to doing church the way that we've always done it. Um, but one of the great things about God is he is creative. He's an imaginative God, and he doesn't have limits. Um, we certainly do. And within our perspectives, I think we often think we, we need to continue to do things as we've done it. Mark Batterson said years ago, um, there's ways of doing church that have never been done before. And that has always sparked a lot of dialogue and conversation for Anthony and I in our own leadership of thinking like, what are ways that we can engage the community um, that we haven't done before and to think creatively, but beyond that, to ask God for, for Holy Spirit breathed creativity into what we're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's a conversation in our churches across Canada that have had us shift our thinking of how we do church. Um, online for some people has been so difficult to, to figure out and navigate. Um, 
but I think it's causing us to ask questions. How do we engage in relational connection with people? But one of the beautiful things that I think has come out of this for as zoomed out as we all might be, um, is realizing we actually have the ability to connect with people in ways that we've not done before. That there is a segment of our community who may not ever feel comfortable walking in the doors of a church, but are so comfortable to sit in their right. home and engage in this way. So I think there's a lot of things that have been really, really hard about yeah. churches having to make this transition. Yeah. At the same time, I think there's been a beautiful picture of God's grace to spur us on to think differently, to challenge us. Um, I don't think we've all got it figured out, certainly not, but I think it's cracked open um, a perspective of church that maybe some of us who've sat in those traditional mindsets um, need to break out of a little bit. And that hasn't been easy for a lot of people I know. Very well said. Great thoughts. Jeff, what are your thoughts about this as we look to the future post-pandemic? I think the Lord was using the pandemic um uh, partially for a mass upgrade technologically for the church. If, if, if yeah. the Lord was, was going to upgrade everything, I mean, there'd be a lot of resistance. <laughs> and so, and, and once again, the pandemic, there's been lots of challenging and, and, and painful things and stressful things and uh, up, that have happened about it, but um, happened with it. But I think the Lord also in the, at the same time has used it to, to upgrade the whole the whole church um i think also you know like you typically um the church is quite slow to adapt to to changes in technology but just like with a lot of uh with a lot of companies and organizations around the world we all had to 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 make that jump yep a lot of people went to Zoom, went to the church online platform or wherever it might be for yep. or Facebook Live. Um, I also noticed that there's a lot of businesses that cater to the church have also made a lot of innovations and uh, and you know and so forth ways to give ways to engage ways to uh, communicate. Yep. So there's been some really great things that have come about as a result of yep. that. I think too, that the pandemic was, a, has been a way for the individual Christian follower of Christ, but also church leaders and pastors to rethink or related to this, to reimagine. Yep. Well, to rethink in terms of looking, looking to the scriptures, um, what is it that, what is the church Michelle said, like, how do we do church? Yeah. But even like also, and maybe even more importantly, how to be the church. Yeah. And um, and then there's a lot of sub questions. Like, what is worship now that it's on a screen? And what is it when I'm looking, what is worship now that if I if I'm watching on a mobile device and the sound is low and I can't belt it when I sing? And what it, um, what is musical worship like? What's musical worship like when, when there's other people in the house that aren't Christian? And, um, and do I sing along? Am I, and I'm the only one. And uh, do I have headphones on? 
no one hears the music and I'm singing and I'm self-conscious? Do I stand up? Do I raise my hands to the Lord? Or do I just watch? And how do I engage with that? Do I watch someone else worship and just be in a worshipful mood? Or or what? Do I Can I worship in silence? You know, so there's all kinds of sub-questions. That, how do I have fellowship with people? Um, how important is fellowship? And do I become even more uncommitted and attend less, so to speak? And and is attending being a Christian? Oh, uh, yeah. Like I, uh, this, if it, if it is, then we've just made it even easier as a consumer Christian to just now you don't even have to go. You can just watch and and attend and yeah. Not you know. I, I think in some ways it could have catered to the consumer mindset even more. Uh, Jeff, those are all very, very good thoughts. A- Anthony, what are some of your thoughts around this? Like, how has this pandemic maybe helped churches think differently? Um, you know, not just how do we do church? How do we be church? Any other thoughts you'd had? Yeah. Um, so I think in questions, so a good question, I think, can really layer and and peel away at, at a lot of the layers and so i think what's been talked about here is so critical where when the pandemic first hit we were all in crisis mode of how do we quickly go online what what does that look like how do we uh, make some of those changes and it was more like we were focused on the how question or at least the what question what are we going to do now yeah i think what is provided for us as challenging and as uncomfortable as it is is really asking the why question yeah and how do we get to this? What does church look like when we start stripping away all these things or things that we can't do in person and getting to the why of what the church is about and the why of how we do, you know, how we do ministry and what that even begins to look like. And so I think it gets at the heart uh, and the heartbeat and the vision of, of those types of things. So it's a question continually asking of why are we doing this? Is this something that we hold on to? Is this something that has to change or be reimagined? Is this something that can be strengthened through? And then I think the other quick question is, and, and I, I don't have the um, person or the source, uh, unfortunately, but I had heard it kind of off the cuff before. And the question is, what if what is isn't? And for me, that just really positions us for that future look of saying, so this reality that we're living in and the reality we've come from, what is it going to look like moving forward? What are what? what types of challenges are we going to have to overcome? What are the things that can be, again, strengthened, built, left behind, and to go from there? So I think for us, a lot of it has been asking some of those questions of really getting to the heartbeat and the core foundation of who we are as a church uh, and what we are called to do. I love that because every question sends us on a journey. And I think that's, if, if, if the pandemic has done nothing else, it's at least sent us on a journey to ask questions we weren't asking a year ago. And one of the questions that's coming up, and Jeff, you made reference to it earlier, so maybe we'll start with you this time. Um, we we talk about disciple-making being important, and we would say, most leaders would say, of course, that's important. It's like grandmas and apple pie. We love grandmas, we love apple pie. Like, of course, disciple-making. And, uh, and we think it's important, but we think lots of things are important. How do we elevate disciple-making to be near the, right near the top and then surround that priority with action uh, in the pandemic and as you think uh, in the future? I think it has, to, it has to be incorporated into the things that matter for, 
for church. If, if, if this is going to happen in the context of church, which I believe it should, not everyone believes that it should, or not everyone believes that it can't, <laughs> but um, I, I think it should and it, and it can, but I think it, it really goes against the grain. It needs to be in, in the vision of the church or the mission in some way or, or goals. It needs to be in the budget. It, there needs to be, if you have committees for certain things, right. it needs, it, there needs to be a, a committee or department or team that is, is strategizing and, and, and managing that for the, for the whole church. Um, but I do think like the, the measurables really need to change because it's been mainly about attendance you know, and, and then as we've gone online, there's, it's, it's about like views and subscribers, you know, et cetera, but you can yeah. do this for a hundred years, like what has been done pre-pandemic and you can do, and you can do the, this digital stuff for a hundred years and not make any disciples, but be successful at what you're, what you're doing, but not be successful at fulfilling the great commission. Yeah. Anthony, you have a thought about that? Yeah, I think coming back even to the question, I would even slightly push back on part of it of just saying, I don't think that disciple making uh, is even a priority or something that we should classify as a priority to be elevated. I think it is the main thing. I think it is the main uh, focus. And so if we if we create it almost as one of the top three things that we should be doing, I think we're missing out on a huge mandate of what the church is about. And so one thing that I've been really thinking about a lot over the last little bit is that um, really to simplify it, but discipleship at its core is really a journey of transformation towards Jesus Yeah, at his, at his very root. And I think that is the heartbeat of, of the church's mission. So I don't look at it as just saying, okay, do we have a disciple making strategy as part of our three point plan? Yeah. Okay. But it's saying everything that we are doing is moving people on that transformation towards Jesus. And so uh, I think, and what part of this even pandemic part is forcing us to do is to say, how are we going to do that in new ways? What does that look like if we haven't been able to meet in a building or right. if we're not able to uh, to be there? So I think that it's not just a priority. I think it is the major focus of everything that we have to be doing as a church. Yeah, thanks for thanks for making that clarification. Michelle, what about you? What are What are your thoughts around this? I just wanted to share that I've even found this really difficult as a pastor during the pandemic to think that I'm discipling people and doing it well. Um, there's times I'm right. just trying to struggle to keep my own head above the water. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so for us, six months in uh, on a university campus, appreciate that when classes close down and students are freaking out, not knowing if they can get home where they're going, we had what we called a scatter. Our entire community scattered to the ends of the earth. And Anthony and I became like detectives uh, scoping out people on Facebook and social media <laughs> and feeling like a creeper because we're trying to find people. Where did everybody go? Where's our community? And, and so there's been a lot of times throughout this pandemic that I haven't felt like I've been discipling anybody well because I'm still trying to identify our community. Um, and I think that goes across the board at all of our sites at 10th, we began to look at who's really a part of our communities and how do we identify them? How do we find them? How do we continue to have significant engagement with them? And on this journey of discipleship, I really think is completely relational. So it took us to a place of saying, if we can't actually be with people, what do we have to do to allow the individual to feel like they are seen, heard, and they belong? And that's a huge part of discipleship. 
because you can't do that outside of relationship. Yeah. And so it, it's been, it has not been easy. This pandemic threw us for a loop that I just, I still don't know where some of our people went and that breaks my heart because they were there. And, and as we come back, I don't know who's going to be there, but I know the people we have, we've been able to stay relationally connected with, but the, the aspect of discipleship through a pandemic I think has taken a very different turn and face and caused us as leaders to ask what's really important in how we disciple people well and join them in connection and relationship to, to faith, to Christ and to community. So just I, a few thoughts. I think people, when you said, I've actually found it difficult, you know, like just to keep my own head above water I think there's people out there listening to it's just going nodding their heads as they're driving or nodding their heads, you know, as they're walking their dog listening to this and just going, I felt the same thing. How do we make this? How do we still be about, as Anthony said, make it the main thing? And yet we're finding it hard to do church and and make it the main thing because we're having our own uh, difficulty with this. And so I... Michelle, I think you just nailed it with that with that thought. I think there's a lot of leaders out there that are just feeling the weight of being not good enough in this season. And just, you know, do you have any other thoughts or encouragement? Like, is there anything that you've, you know, that you've just told yourself or spent time in prayer about that, that maybe helped you go, okay, I'm going to give myself some grace in this season? Yeah, I think honestly, it, it's the honesty of, of just staying it and connecting with others. I think vulnerability begets vulnerability. So when we can share as leaders and, and not think we have it all together and someone goes, Oh, you're feeling like that too. Like it's this shame thing that we have that we think as leaders, we have to have it all figured out and put together. But I mean, gosh, nobody anticipated this pandemic to be 52 weeks long. Um, but for me personally, it's just been connecting with other leaders, with other hmm. people that I trust that I know I can, I can say my truth to that aren't going to judge me um, and realizing that I'm not alone in this, right. that we're all in this together and none of us have it figured out. So, um, and for me, it's just, it's being kind to myself. Honestly, I think I've beat myself up enough days and felt like crap because I, I, like there's days I can't, I can't, I just, I can't, I don't know what to do. And so days yeah. I struggle with that. And other days I go, okay, I've made some significant inroads today and I feel good about that. But there's other days or weeks that it's like, right. oh man. I feel hard. it. I feel it. I'm resonating. My head's nodding. Anthony, you got a thought. And I know Jeff, you got it. You want to share another thing as well. Anthony, go ahead. Yeah. I think just picking up on what Michelle said that just the awareness and I think the honesty of wrestling with mental health issues has yeah. been so critical and at the best of times, or say even pre COVID times, uh, mental health has been such a major, mm-hmm. uh, major part. So at, in our context at UBC, one out of five students uh, is working through uh, mental health issues and challenges and anxiety and fears and all sorts of things. And so now we've moved to a new reality that has caused even more things to be poured um, you know, on into people's, you know, buckets and, and so on. So I think for us as leaders, that awareness of one, how, how people in our, in our circle, how they are doing mental health wise, but also for ourselves of reaching that point. And I remember back in January, reaching a low point myself just a couple months ago and, and talking with other pastors and just saying, this is where I'm at. 
Uh, and, and through that, I think it's helped me uh, begin pro processing things in a clearer way. So I think mental health and really leaning into that has been a critical part. Totally agree. Jeff, your thoughts? Um, my thought is, is, uh, is dealing with uh, more of the disciple-making aspect. Yep, go ahead. What we've been talking about is super important uh, with mental health and, 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 and personal um, stuff with, with us as leaders and individuals. But in terms of like the more macro like picture and disciple-making, one of the things I've been wrestling with is if I prioritize disciple-making, then I have to ask, is the worship service an effective means of producing disciples. And, and the, what I've been finding is that it's not. Then a follow-up question, then what do you do with the worship service? <laughs> oh, now you're meddling. Jeff, <laughs> we were okay until you did that, but now you're meddling. Sorry. Okay, so I did it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have this in a nice, neat package, but what do you do when the rest of society expects a worship service? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what it is to be a church or or the type of worship service that they would expect. Yeah. You know? well, oh, I can hear I can hear people out there quoting in Hebrews. Do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I don't think you're saying that. I'm, you're just saying you're going to gather, but in different ways and for different purposes. And in your context of launching fully digital, things just shift differently for you. You're thinking about things differently I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that essentially, you know, what you're thinking? Kind of, but I'm thinking other things too. Like I was just meeting um, with John Lusink from Zume, um, which is about disciple you know, uh, dealing with disciple making and, and resourcing that. But um, um, I just told him, like, I've been in ministry all these years. I We went to St. Bible College. So like 20 years later, or however many years it's been, um, 25 um, years later, I, like I thought that I would be, I would have made a significant dent. And when I look back, I, I was wrestling back then with some of the same things I'm wrestling with now, like yeah, producing yeah. passive Christians, producing observers, um, produce, producing consumers. Francis Chan talks a lot about this, and I'm still, I'm still doing that. And so I'm wrestling as a pastor. I also have kind of a prophetic bent and an apostolic kind of bent. So I can't be, it's so, I can't, it, I have such a dissatisfaction with, with that. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with the scriptures while wrestling with myself. Like, um, yeah. what needs to, what needs to change while, and wrestling with society because I'm, I'm forced in a sense to, to meet expectations of what society expects from a church. So like when, when we, you know, even when I, when I preach on Sundays uh, through a series that is about following Jesus as a disciple, when we have our small groups on, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I lead one on Thursday, I can see like, on Thursdays we use the same scripture. And I can see how much the sermon didn't affect their lives <laughs> by what they share like every single week. And, um, and, and, but this is, as a pastor, I have to put a lot of energy yeah. into Sundays into the sermon. I, so. I think I think there's going to be a balance that's going to swing, like it's going to swing, like I don't know which way the pendulum is right now, but I think it's I think churches that see their Sunday morning gatherings as part of their disciple making process, not the finish line, 
will do very well in the future. That like when I grew up, it's like, if we could just get them to church and attend regularly, then we've created disciples. And, and that's, that's a good marker. That's a good start, but it's not the finish line. It's a part of it. But Jeff, you get me going on this and pretty soon I'll take over the podcast and stop asking you all questions. So I'm going to move on to the next one, but great thoughts. Uh, How do we empower laity? Michelle, we'll start with you. How do we, uh, how do we, maybe I'll ask it this way. What do we need to do to empower laity more in our churches? Because I actually think that's going to be a huge part of our future, certainly in church multiplication, where we're going to see lay pastors, lay leaders start planting these disciple-making communities. But how do we do that? How do we empower laity? Any thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, it comes by us stepping out of the way and truly empowering others and looking at their calling um, and releasing them into that. A lot of times, um, when I think of over the years of ministry, um, it's sometimes the most unlikeliest of people that you give an opportunity to, and it breaks something in them open um, and allows them to step into stuff. But um, I don't think there's a formula to this. I just think it means us having to be willing to step out of the way. And um, being a person who likes to control stuff, sometimes that's really difficult because it really means <laughs> I got to get out of the way yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and relinquish my ability to, to empower someone to release them and let them do it their way, their God-given way, not just how I think it needs to be done. So I think there's two things. I think it's us stepping out of the way, but it's really empowering people yeah. and having confidence in them to to lead, to do what they've been asked to do, not just by us, but by God and calling that out in people. Um, And to me, that's one of the most exciting things really about ministry is when I see something in someone that they can't see in themselves, starting to pick away at that. And that's what gets me excited in ministry. When I can think of people over the last 25 years who are now doing things with their lives that they never thought possible because they were simply given an opportunity. Yeah. Oh, I think you've listed off some excellent thoughts there. Anthony, Jeff, maybe we'll go to you, Anthony. Any any other thoughts that you would have on how we can empower Lady? Um, one thing that comes to mind immediately is, again, the importance and significance of relationship. Everything comes out of that. Everything comes from that. And so as we get to know people, as we hear their stories, their journeys, we all come from places of experiences, of failures, brokenness, healing, just the whole spectrum that's there. And as we hear those stories and see what it is that God is stirring up within people, I think that really enables us to be able to say, hey, have you thought about this or how can you take it? And I think the other aspect is that when we think of laity, our minds probably go to how can we get them involved in a church setting or a church uh, program or something like that, which is important because there are certain things that have to happen or life groups, so on. But I think the even bigger part is how do we release people to think that they are serving ministry in their sphere of influence, wherever that is. And so I think that's always how we begin releasing people of saying, it's not just about, again, the Sunday morning or the, or any of those aspects, but what are you doing? How are you taking this uh, faith and practice into your everyday? So we always say as well, you know, Mondays count just as much as Sundays or Mm -hmm. any of those other uh, parts of there. So I think relationship, I think thinking beyond just the church walls. Yeah. Great thoughts. Very, very good. It's hard to call out things in people that you're not around. 
that you're not noticing. Um, great, great thoughts. Jeff, you're th- over to you. What do you think? How do we empower laity? How are you empowering laity? Um, uh, for, uh, for me, I'm, I'm wishing I could do it better and I've been, I'm trying to do it better and better. Um, <laughs> um, some things I'm, I've been thinking about, um, is, is I think it's super important to, th- to consider what does a disciple look like? If you're, if you're trying to produce disciples, what does that look like when you, when you look at the scriptures? Right. I was, I was listening to some of Francis Chan, uh, this, uh, this morning and, um, and he talked about how, uh, people have been there a lot we've been producing observers but how do we move them to be servants and so how do we get them to be servants in their everyday context yeah and within the within the church a part of their everyday context and uh, but in the workplaces in their families um how do we also get them to to, to be just to have a uh, to be contributors that there's a that a disciple is someone who is a a part of what a disciple is is someone who contributes. Yeah, and also someone who produces, um, produces fruit, produces other disciples. Yeah. Um, and then after that, the ch- I think the church has to consider how do we create opportunities? Because one of the things that you, the, I noticed, the the smaller the church, the more there is for people to do, to contribute. The larger the church, um, the more people can't they typically cannot contribute. Um. Yeah. I was listening to Mark Clark from Village Church in Surrey here in British Columbia. And he said when they first started, one of their values, is, or I don't know what they called it, but in order to be, a, if you're a member of this church, you have to contribute. Mm-hmm. And he said, as we grew bigger and bigger, we couldn't have people contribute anymore. Like that's, So that seems to be a problem. If, if, a, if a disciple is someone who contributes, then you got to find new ways for them to contribute, especially if you're a larger church yeah i i can't again this is anecdotal it was a it was a church i knew but i don't have the exact numbers but someone came in and said okay so what are all the volunteer roles that you do at church and so they listed them all off and then compared them to how many people they had in the church and they hit a saturation point at about 60 percent and that's assuming that no one else did two jobs which we know some volunteers, they're, they're there whenever the doors are open. So if we hit our saturation point, let's say it's 60% or whatever, um, what are we going to do for the other 40 if, if those numbers are accurate? Um, I, think we, I think we have to acknowledge what they're doing in the community. So you volunteer as a soccer coach, that's part of, what, that's part of our mission. You're, you're part of the community league, you're a president, you're on the teachers, or you know, you're at the school council, you're whatever your community involvement is, that's like an ex- extension of the church, and you have to see that. And I don't know if we've always done a great job at recognizing that while maybe you don't teach Sunday school, you're a teacher at a school. And what you're doing there is pretty important, being light in a in a in a dark place so you how know. do you think about being the kingdom of god there yeah right in the mission field exactly like already in the mission field yeah yeah i think we have to think about how do we relate it to that how do we mobilize people on mass beyond the volunteer roles so for example how do we mobilize as many people as we can within our church to for example love the least of these like what what kind of programs or initiatives or vision are we gonna like unleash 
to help people be servants or producers in those ways yeah. in, in, in the mission field that they're ready in. Man, we got more questions and answers, but I love the conversation. Michelle, your thoughts? Yeah, I think this conversation is even more imperative when you look at the pandemic perspective. Um, <laughs> we're not gathering on Sundays. So how are we really empowering and releasing leaders um, to do those things? Because we're not talking about all coming together on a Sunday, yep. um, even post-pandemic. I think this is what needs to stick is understanding how do we empower and release people to be Christ followers in their everyday. Yeah. And so if we keep talking about discipleship making only coming together on a Sunday, we've missed the whole point. <laughs> it's, it's longevity, it's life, it's interwoven into culture and family and community. Um, so yeah, especially this conversation in, in the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we're not asking people to come and serve on a Sunday. Sure, you might need someone to come help with sound and do musical stuff, but in the totality of discipleship, that is just living life, period, yeah. as a believer. So I think the conversation has to go a little bit deeper and a little, a little bit broader. And the saturation point now for local churches, what is it? 10%, you know, when you've only allowed so many people in a building, or if you're not even allowed in the building, it's it's volunteer hosts that are hosting online, and it, it even drops even further. Uh, Anthony, you have a thought before we move on? Yeah, just kind of one, maybe an end cap to it. I know Michelle mentioned uh, another quote from Mark Batterson, but uh, we've shared this so many times with people, but it has so resonated with us. And he said, what if, as an example, when people are coming into the church, they are coming in and investing in the vision of that local body, that local gathering, and you're, you're buying into the vision, you're buying into the things that are happening that are there. But at the same time, it's reciprocal that we as a church body, we're going to invest in you as you head out into your right. workplaces, your schools, your families, right. your neighborhoods. And so it becomes this two-way part. And so I think that's a key aspect of raising up volunteers is, again, it's not one directional, it's both directions of saying, how are they, how are people coming and serving within the context, but also how are we as church leaders and as a church investing in people and sending them into their places? And so that becomes a beautiful movement of God's kingdom at work uh, among us. Yeah, so good. Wow, time is escaping us. This is so great. I'm good. We're going to end with this last question on on partnerships. Uh, that came up at our last Reimagine cohort, talking about uh, partnerships. Jeff Hillier from uh, Community Church in, in Orleans and the Compassion Center, and those, those uh, cool partnerships they're developing. And so uh, Michelle, we'll we'll let you take a, the the first swing at the pinata here. Um, what kind of partnerships? Because I think we would all say that partnerships are a big part of our future. Um, but what kinds of partnerships should churches be looking for as we think about navigating the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think there's a couple layers to this. Um, one is partnership with church to church, but I'm going to come at it from a different perspective. Um, what are the needs of your community, like at, at large, not your, just your faith community, but your community? So I think of partnerships in terms of like childcare needs. I think of partnerships in terms of um, feeding programs. I think of, of, you know, the homeless needs. I think of um, addiction. I think of the 
mental health. So there's so many partnerships within our communities at large that I think churches um, have sort of stepped into, but not fully embraced the totality right. of what some of those partnerships can look like. And there's something about partnership with other churches, of course, but I think the real rubber that hits the road is when we partner in community with um, maybe people that don't necessarily always hold the same values as us, or when we partner with people who maybe don't always fit the box of what we think uh, Christianity is. And so it pushes the envelope a bit, but I think that's where we get to be the light of Christ wherever we are. So I look at partnerships based on what's actually happening in the community. What are those needs? Are there refugees? Are there, you know, other things that we can actually step into and partner with, not come and take over, but actually come and supplement and walk with. And I think that's the real testament of our faith lived out in action. Love that. So just some thoughts. Great thoughts. Thanks, Michelle. Jeff, your thoughts. What kind of partnerships are you looking for or what should we be looking for? As a, for us, we're a small church and, uh, we just know we can't do everything ourselves. We have such limitations, um, people, expertise, time, etc. So, like for example, we've been thinking about how what can we use in terms of a, of a, a curriculum or roadmap for discipleship. Do we have to create it? I mean, that's that's a, that could be a huge undertaking. And so, or do we find some, do we partner with an organization that specializes in this or a movement or, or what have you? And right. Um, right. also we've, whenever we haven't had enough people to do worship online, like to do musical worship online, we've partnered with people who aren't in our city mm-hmm. because we don't have, they don't have to be in our city. So uh, people who could, who could do that with, with the camera that they have and the sound equipment that they have. And so we've, we've tried to be more open to what is possible, you know, and, uh, and I think that's helped. Great. Anthony, your thoughts on partnerships moving forward? Uh, without hopefully sounding too much like a broken record. Again, I think relationship, just getting to know the community, getting to know who is at work. Um, and I think Michelle had said it earlier, not coming in to impose our strategy or our agenda, but to say, if there are people that are doing what you're feeling called to do in the neighborhood or in, in that particular part, get to know them. No agenda is just, you know, be, build, be building that relationship and then see what can happen. And I think two things quickly, don't be surprised by the people that God brings across your path, right? Uh, that they might be the surprising people, the unexpected people, people that you thought, how would that even work? But to realize that God works in so many different ways. Right. And I think to listen to his whisper, listen to those those promptings um we've had some even over the past number of months some really amazing conversations and connections with people who have been hurt by the church on so many different levels they've been uh, stigmatized all sorts of stuff and we've been able to start building some relationships and to start saying how can we come alongside and to be able to um see you know what what can happen through something like this so some amazing opportunities and conversations that are that are going so don't just keep listening to the whisper uh keep stepping out even if it doesn't make sense because i feel so often that god is actually working in those moments and we're going to be surprised by what he's going to do love it yeah like just be open 
God wants us to be working with others, and we're at best when we're working with others. And so love all those thoughts. I'm going to put you all on the spot just for give us uh, a one-minute encouragement to leaders out there right now uh, going through this pandemic. Uh, What would you want to say to encourage them? I would would encourage all you leaders out there that are feeling a little disoriented because ministry looks so different and to not give up and not feel discouraged just because things look different, that you are rooted and grounded in the scripture and the mission of Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. And, and those are great things for this new frontier. Amazing. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Yeah. I would just, I would say, be honest with yourself and, um, and be gracious with yourself. You know, we, we often uh, take critique from so many places, but one thing I've learned um, really specifically this last year is unless I would go to that person to seek advice in the same way that I shouldn't be taking so closely to heart their criticisms <laughs> and, yeah, and shouldn't true. be holding it. And that's one of the things I've had to really navigate this year uh, for myself personally. And so I would just say to leaders, like, pay attention to who you're really listening to and what you're actually allowing inside your spirit. And is it truth? And are those people that you really need to be listening to? Or are they people that you need to just not? Those, their voices aren't the ones that need to be resonating with you. And just be honest with yourself and know that leadership life is not always easy. And it's okay to ask for help. Very well said. Anthony, the closing thoughts. No pressure. No pressure. Um, well, I'll tell you kind of a thought that I've been mulling over over the last little bit. Hopefully it's an encouragement at the same time, but um, I'm not going to give the, the full quote, but Brennan Manning uh, talked about the new wine into new wineskins. And he said that we need the artists, the poets, the mystics, the clowns to be able to really breathe that new life and that new wine into new wineskins because they're able to begin seeing things differently. And so what I'm thinking through is none of us know what we're heading into in this post-COVID reality. And so there's a lot of fears that we can have of what change can look like, um, you know, what it's going to be like. And yet I think if we can stay open and say that we are trusting and believing that God is actually doing something new and can bring about newness and things that we never could have anticipated, things that he's perhaps even accelerated in this past year, um, and that we can be confident in that and hopeful, and to say that God uses all sorts of ways. And so let's be open to God's voice. I think that's what the mystic captures, the you know the artists that are seeing things and saying that creative element of just saying, let's keep leaning into that, uh, and to be people who are thinking and just saying, we don't want to go back to how it was, but what new thing could God perhaps be birthing in us? And then the clowns, I think, are just that aspect of being present, being rooted in the moment, being having that childlike wonder and enjoyment and just being able to say, God, we're here. We're going to, we're going to step into this next season with open hands and we're going to trust you in that. So just some things I've been thinking about that again, get captured and held in the love of God that he's got this, this is not a surprise to him, uh, but we're believing that good things are going to come out of it. Painful things. Absolutely. But good things as well. Wow. This has been a rich time and just want to thank the three of you for taking time to invest in leaders through the Multiply Network and just so grateful that you came on today. Thanks so much. Thank you.